This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, and you're listening to the Powercat Pregame Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Welcome to the Powercat Pregame Podcast. I am Go Powercat publisher Tim Fitzgerald, and this is the first one of the season. Here we go. Kansas State plays South Dakota on Saturday night at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. The game is slated for a 6 p.m. kickoff, and this is certainly a game the Wildcats and Coach Chris Kleiman, who's entering his fourth season in Manhattan, should manage and win. And today we will help you get prepared for the start of the 2022 football season if you're like me this summer went so quickly and I think a big reason why is the optimism surrounding this football team and everything that could be with this football season but it starts Saturday at the bill it's the 127th season of football at Kansas State and it's the third time in the last eight years that the Wildcats and Coyotes will open up a season they previously met in the 2015 and 18 seasons K-State won 35 to nothing, and then squeaked out a 27-24 victory in the 18th season. We will see if our experts think this game will be that close, and you know the drill if you've been listening to this podcast through the years. In the first half, we will talk to our own Ryan Wallace, a longtime member of our Go Powercat staff. He covers recruiting for us, but he also pitches in on team coverage with some incredible analysis and insights of the Wildcats. In the second half, we bring in our football expert, our own Go Powercat analyst, Brian Hanley. He was an offensive lineman on those incredible 1997 and 98 football teams for the Wildcats that took the program to the cusp of playing for a national title. We will also have our own Ryan Gilbert talk about the betting spreads and some of the lines around the Big 12. We won't cover them all this week. We typically will once the season gets into conference play, but we'll hit the highlights because a lot of teams like K-State are playing FCS opponents and those games are off the board. But Ryan Gills Gilbert and I will go through all of that at the end of the show. And smack dab in the middle of all of that in the second half will be an interview with Deuce Vaughn from Tuesday's press conference as Deuce begins what could be a remarkable season in his junior year and unfortunately probably his last in Manhattan as he prepares for the NFL and can Deuce make a run at the Heisman Trophy? We have so much in store for you over the next hour or so, and we will get to it in just a second. But for another season, we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company, and it's a great friendship and business alliance between two local companies. And we're so proud to have them along. I drive a Dodge Durango, and I love my service and everything I get from Robbins Motor Company. But at the top of the show, you might have heard an unfamiliar voice in terms of this podcast because Go Powercat has entered an NIL, a name, image, and likeness agreement with three Kansas State football players and a lot of companies around Manhattan. A lot of small businesses are doing the same, including Robbins Motor Company. Now let's hear a little something they worked on this summer to get you ready for football. Hello, my name is Clay Robbins, and I'm the managing partner here at Robbins Motor Company in Manhattan, Kansas, and we've got a couple of local star athletes with us here today. Deuce Vaughn and Felix Anaduke Uzuman. One thing I like about the Dodge brand is the quickness and speed of its super and muscle cars. And you know what, Felix? It's kind of like me. Honestly, Deuce, you're not wrong, but I'm gonna take the Ram TRX because with this brute force, it runs over the competition. Kind of like me. Well, looks like I'm gonna have to hook these guys up with a couple of cars. T-Rex for you and the, well, I'm gonna have to keep the Viper. I'm gonna give you the Dodge Charger, Red Eye Hellcat, Jailbreak Edition. Oh man, what what color is that? That color is Hell Raisin, and that's exactly what you guys are gonna be doing on the gridiron this season. Yes, for sure. And one more bit of advertising before we get to our own Ryan Wallace. I've been covering K-State sports for a long time, and there's not been two better kids than Felix and Deuce. They are great kids, as were Daniel Deuce Green and Cooper Beebe, who joined us, and Felix, for our NIL agreement. Just wonderful kids I get to cover at Kansas State, and it's a great honor. I appreciate Chris Kleiman not only bringing in great football players, but young men of high character. And this advertising is from us. Folks, we're entering our 25th season of covering Kansas State sports in the digital space. It's hard to believe, but GoPowerCat.com was one of the first 
school-specific websites in the nation to begin covering a college football program. And we take a lot of pride in how we do it, but it's always evolving. And as we enter that 25th season, we are offering Kansas State fans an incredible 75% off sale for a limited time. If you're not a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com, we would much appreciate your support going forward and join the GPC family. Maybe you have subscribed in the past before we switched over to the 24-7 Sports Network. Maybe you never have. Maybe you're just learning who we are because it's amazing to me that so many still don't know about GoPowerCat. But come on over to GoPowerCat.com, head over there and click that green join button. Take advantage of the special right now at GPC. We love being part of the CBS Sports 24-7 Sports Network. It's absolutely wonderful to work with such incredible professionals that are based out of Nashville. And 24-7 Sports and GoPowerCat covers college athletics like no one else. And if you're not familiar with how we do it, we do it a little bit differently than anyone else. And we take a lot of pride in that. Let's get busy now, though, with the show that's why you're listening and let's bring in our own ryan wallace to discuss kansas state's season opening game with the south dakota coyotes wally i think everyone associated with kansas state football is cautiously optimistic about this season the prospects for it but i fall on the optimistic side of that and you fall on the cautionary side of that I appreciate that. Explain why you're a little bit more guarded than maybe me about the prospects of the 2022 season for these Wildcats. Yeah, I think naturally I'm probably more pessimistic at heart on <laughs> on a lot of things. And I think it's maybe so I, you know, I don't get, you know, upset or heartbroken if, if things do go wrong. But you're right. I mean, I tend to look at this season, I would say a little bit more cautiously. Some might say more realistically. And, and I think for me, it's, it's a couple of things. I think offensively I start at the quarterback position and for as great as a fit as I think Adrian Martinez can be in a offense guided by Colin Klein, because he seems so out of the mold or so perfect for the mold uh, of what you would assume Colin Klein's going to run but at the same time, the the turnovers are, are an issue for me. And I've gone back and watched some of the Nebraska tape. And I do think that the offensive line that will be protecting him at Kansas State is going to be more consistent, more reliable, dependable, durable than what he saw at Nebraska. But a lot of the late game turnovers that you did see from him, even going back to last year when he was – uh, what was it? He'd be a, in his third or fourth year. Um, and we're not talking his freshman year. We're talking fourth quarter turnovers where the protection wasn't that bad and it's just overthrown or it's misplaced or it's mistimed. And and again, as a quarterback, a lot of that might've been on the receivers. There, there might be other variables in play here, but for me, he's put enough on tape where I'm a little cautious. If, if things get tight, K-State isn't a team that's known for blowing people out. And so if things get tight in the fourth quarter, I wonder sometimes. I wonder if if they're if, if we're gonna see enough from Malik uh, Knowles and, and Phillip Brooks. Can they stay healthy for a full season? Are they ready to put this team on their backs like kind of we've been hoping for for the last two years? And like I think that they really started to get there last year. And then defensively, you know, will we see Felix and Udike Uzama take a step back, you know, after this breakthrough season last year? I don't think so, but we could. Um, how much does depth hurt at areas like nose tackle when you're running a th- an odd man front uh, at an area like linebacker where Khalid Duke is still kind of coming back into his own, a guy that we all expected to be a, a big pass rushing threat this year. And finally, probably fits even more than Adrian Martinez. My biggest area of concern is at a safety spot where K-State in their scheme has to run three where in this scheme, you have to be able to come up, uh, help win run support, be savvy against the pass. Above all else, communicate well on that back end with three guys that have never played together before Saturday. And while they might have some experience in, in Josh Hayes and Drake Cheatham, uh, while Josh Hayes and Drake Cheatham might have some experience in, co- in college, 
they don't have any experience at this level of college play. And so those are probably the top two reasons for my, if you want to call it pessimism, is what are we going to see from the quarterback? I think Adrian Martinez can very, very capably manage a game. Can he win games for Kansas State is the question. And can these safeties, who I think have all the ability in the world, I'm very high on, on each of them individually, can they quickly come together? Um, because I think the, the top half of this season, Fitz, is, is going to challenge K-State a little bit. Yeah, it's an interesting start to the season. I mean, South Dakota's a game you certainly should win and should win comfortably, but we know how that goes. Everyone has gotten bit by the FCS monster once in a while. But then that every two weeks cycle of Missouri, Oklahoma, Iowa State is a really interesting way to start the season. I do want to go back to the quarterback spot because we received this question on our podcast. I think it was last week, and it was a really good question. How long a rope does Chris Kleiman and Colin Klein give Adrian Martinez if he starts to show some of these traits that he had at Nebraska? I think that a lot of that will depend on what they see out of Will Howard at practice, what they see out of Jake Rubley at practice. Um, you know, if it becomes a situation similar to what we saw last year where Jaron Lewis was doing a lot of the right things in practice and Will Howard was struggling when he was filling in for Skylar Thompson, then then maybe you do see uh, Will Howard come in a little bit. Maybe you do see um, Jake Rubley get, get his shot. But I, I would have to guess, Fitz, that, that Adrian Martinez has a pretty long leash. I think that they know that he has the experience to bounce back from things. Um, unfortunately, you know, because of the situations he's put himself in or Nebraska put him in, he's had to bounce back before. And so I think that they're, they're, go they're a staff, I feel like, that is going to put more faith in Adrian. And that's one area where I will defend Adrian Martinez. We even saw it just last weekend in the postgame comments from Scott Frost. I'm not sure that was a staff that always had his back. And I do feel like this is a staff that's going to have Adrian Martinez's back, even if, if situations arise where, um, you know, he doesn't make the play or he does make the wrong decision. So I would venture to guess he's got a pretty long leash. Yeah, and one of the things that I like about this setup is he's had good players at Nebraska. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Nebraska isn't void of talent outside of him. That'd be a silly statement. But he really hasn't had – anyone next to him in a backfield quite like Deuce Vaughn. Adrian's always been the guy to focus on. Well, he's not going to be that way at K-State. you got to keep an eye on Deuce. And if you just want to try to blitz Adrian, he's just going to drop it out in the flat to Deuce, and you can deal with that. I'm intrigued by the idea of he'll have less on his shoulders at Kansas State, and, and maybe that will lessen the load and he'll be able to perform at a higher level. And I'm not sure we're going to learn much from this game. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, if, if anything, the one thing that I, I am interested to see and, and one area where I do have a little bit more faith in this game, um, at least being able to forecast maybe some things that are coming this season, is Chris Kleiman's staff does not strike me as Bill Snyder-like in the sense of not putting anything out there in, in the opening week. You know, I... I think a lot of K-State fans out there, while most of us are confident that this is going to be a win, there is that, uh, you know, 2018 thought when South Dakota came into Manhattan and, and nearly beat K-State. Now, obviously, there was a quarterback controversy on that K-State team. There were new coordinators on both sides of the ball for Bill Snyder that year. Uh, they were trying to replace, you know, guys like Byron Pringle, guys like DJ Reed, Will Geary. So it's, it's not apples to apples at all. Um, but I do think in that game, we saw Bill Snyder go back to his ways of maybe looking ahead, maybe not, maybe taking South Dakota and, and their effort a little bit for granted. I don't think we're going to see that um, from Colin Klein and from this staff on Saturday against South Dakota. Like you said, Fitz, I'm not expecting we're going to learn everything. I'm not expecting them to throw everything in the kitchen sink out there, but you know, I don't, I think we'll be able to get a good grasp of what they think Adrian Martinez can handle, what this tempo looks like, how much RPO or kind of option stuff do we see from him. So 
from that vantage point, I, I do think we'll be able to get a little bit better grip than if this was Adrian Martinez lining up under center for a Bill Snyder-led offense. Okay, let's flip it over to the other side. You mentioned safety. Going into the fall camp, that was my big concern. Just not only safety, quality of play, but depth there. And to see Joe Klanderman kind of light up when you ask him about his safety depth, and then you see the depth chart where all three newcomers atop the the three spots. I agree they haven't played together, and Josh Hayes has never been a safety. But I I, I noticed that Klanderman just seems to be really excited about it, and I'm very interested to see how they respond. But this is a defense with as much promise. If those guys can pull it together, if they can stay somewhat healthy, certainly Daniel Green is irreplaceable in the middle of that defense. Um, I think this might be one of the better defenses Kansas State's had in the past, might I say, 19 seasons since you know the 2003 Big 12 championship. You know, it's funny that you say this, Fitz, and I – it's going to sound, you know, like a big, like I'm jumping from one side to the other here. Cause we're talking about how I'm slightly cautious and, and maybe more pessimistic than most with this season. Um, but on Thursday on the website, it'll be um, two days to kick off and it will continue this countdown this week that I've been running on the site. And, and for two days, uh, two days until kickoff, I've been trying to kind of match the numbers and so the article that you'll find on our website is going to be about the two times that a Kansas State team has gone into the year unranked and finished the year inside the top 25 polls. And one of those seasons, Fitz, was 2002. And it was a year that I think any K-State fan would agree, an 11-win team, great offense, but that defense was as good as any um, that Kansas State has ever seen and when you kind of go apples to apples in terms of what those two rosters look like entering the season, this defense is eerily similar. I think maybe the only area that's different is, you know, Daniel Green, if you want to say he's the Terry Pierce, doesn't have that Josh Buell next to him. And I don't know if he will, um, given the, the parts that are there in that, in that uh, position group. But this is a very active, very athletic um, you know, fast, experienced group on defense, it's literally just about gelling and bringing them all together. You know, like Coach Klanderman was talking about, I think there's enormous excitement for these guys as individuals, even going down to, you know, VJ Payne, and they know what they've got at TJ Smith and Sincere Mason. It's just a matter of let's find the best rotation for each scenario, for every personnel group, and, and again, trying to figure that out, because I think the sooner they can figure out, all right, this is our third down package. All right, this is what we're doing in second and longs. Here's who needs to be on the field. Here's how we need to line up. I, I think I don't want to say it's a 2002 type forecast, but that's the type of path that I think this group could follow, because there are a lot of areas on this defense that are similar. Yeah, I agree with all that. It. It's a dynamic defense if they stay healthy with players at every level that are all Big 12 selections. But, you know, you mentioned the the con complimentary linebacker, which, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to see Austin Moore in action to be sold. I just am. I mean, I everyone's raving about him and how much better he's gotten. But he walked into the the media room and he looked like Josh Buell, you know, he, in, in terms of physique and size i mean he's put together but he's also not your typical linebacker size and josh was able able to overcome that and the game's changed a lot too linebackers are smaller and faster now uh, but i, I just want to see if uh, they can put it all together and if a guy like nate matlack can free up other people by proving himself uh, then i think they're going to be pretty good but let me ask you this. Now, give me a player on each side of the ball that you think is going to make a breakthrough this season, much like we saw King Felix do last year and we saw some guys on offense do last year. But who do you think might pop onto the the radar and, and emerge from both sides of the ball among stars as a as a fellow playmaker? Well, you know, offensively, I think it's going to be a little bit tougher to kind of crack. Yeah. Um, into the rotation just because there are so many proven guys on offense. Um, obviously, I think the first one that comes to mind is DJ Giddens. 
here's a kid from Junction City that players like Skylar Thompson were raving about this time last year. But I just think the the tempo, everything was moving really fast for DJ. And they, the coaches, I think, wanted to see a little bit more consistency and reliability um, it, from the playbook with him. And I think he's finally got there. Again, how much we're going to see from him will probably depend game by game and will depend on you know the health of Deuce Vaughn, which we all hope is 100% for the whole year. And then I think at wide receiver, the guy that we started at the end of the year, started sprinkling him in a little bit, didn't get a ton of touches, but he's a guy that I know our staff at Go Powercat has loved since the moment he signed and committed was RJ Garcia yeah. at receiver. Again, he's behind Phillip Brooks. He's behind uh, Malik Knowles, probably even Cade Warner. But I think he's going to be on the field enough where we're going to get a taste of what he could become um, with those guys out of the picture moving into 2023. And then when I go to the defense, you know, you, you mentioned Nate Matlack, and we got, again, a taste of him last year, a bigger taste than we did of R.J. Garcia. But I think this year he'll be on the field enough where we're really going to see him come to his own. And I say we, probably not so much the K-State fan base, but I think maybe the Big 12 fan base will go, okay, this is why this kid was getting some defensive freshman of the year votes a year ago. And then I think on the backside, for me, you know, Josh Hayes is a guy that, that – is proven himself at North Dakota state. I think Drake Cheatham will have a solid year and he's proven himself um, at Prairie View A&M, but Kobe Savage is a dude. I mean, this was a guy when you flip his tape on, I'll be honest. I was very disappointed in our national scouts at 24 seven for under ranking him um, with his final rating as a three-star, but kind of on a low end of the three-star. I think they looked at a kid that was undersized but boy, he covers sideline to sideline and is ferocious as a tackler. I think he's going to be a, a become a fan favorite, much like we saw Russ Yeast become a year ago. Kobe Savage is a guy that I think fits this Joe Klanderman mold at safety incredibly well. Yeah, we spoke with him on Tuesday at the weekly press conference, and he's an impressive young guy. He just kind of has his stuff together. So you know, he's one of those guys I think fans are going to, Root for, you mentioned Russ Yeast, who was fantastic in his one season at K-State. But I think fans are going to find Kobe Savage and latch on to him a little bit like Reggie Stubblefield. I, I think they're going to really like this kid. Uh, and they'll have him for longer than yeah, both of those two. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it's really helpful. Uh, at the end of the day, where do you think K-State ends up with this season? Uh, for Heading into Saturday, and, you know, we'll see, I think, Saturday and certainly how they look, how they fare against Missouri could change my entire outlook of the season. But heading in, you know, my gut has always said this is about an eight win team. Um, but I have said on our message boards that I, I would be easier, easier swayed into nine wins than I would be going down to six or seven. You know, I do think this is a team that ultimately is, is taking that next step. I'm just not sure until I see all the parts come together and see how quickly a lot of these new faces gel, I don't know if I'm ready to go nine or double digit wins. I also am a guy that believes that I think the big 12 might be a little bit more competitive top to bottom um, than the average fan thinks. But again, this is all stuff to be determined. But as we sit here today, I think you're looking at an eight win regular season team, possibly nine. And then again, with, with the postseason bowl game, Maybe they do hit double digits if they can squeak out nine wins in a regular season, but I'm I'm going siding more on eight. I got to tell you, Wally, I am not a sports better, but it's live in Kansas now, and if they want to keep that over under on season total for K State at six point five, and the pessimist among us is saying eight, maybe seven. <laughs> uh, I, Hammer it! Hammer I might it. I might just go crush that thing because. Uh, well, that, I, I really have some faith in this team, and I think this team's going to be pretty good. But again, you got to play the games. You got to stay healthy. You can't have issues as the season goes on, and, and we'll see how it all plays out for the Wildcats. Wally, thank you so much. We'll do this every week before the K State games. Let's get it started. 
That's it for the first half of the PowerCat pregame podcast. On the other side, we bring in our football analyst, Brian Hanley. We're going to talk to Deuce Vaughn, and then we'll wrap it up with Ryan Gilbert, speaking of sports betting, and talk a little bit about the spreads of some of the key games around the Big 12 this season. And remember, folks, we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. I am Fitz, and we will be right back. This is Kansas State's Felix Enidike Uzama. We'll be right back with more of the PowerCat pregame podcast. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe, and welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company, and we so appreciate their ongoing support of our pregame show. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, I've been driving a Dodge Durango for a long time, and I got to tell you, I love it. And I love everything I get from Robbins Motor Company, including great service, great customer attention, And most of all, when I go in there, I don't have a pushy salesperson in my face immediately. It's a family business, and it's run like they actually care about their customers more than their bottom line. Robbins Motor Company, right here in Manhattan, Kansas, on Anderson Avenue. Please go check them out when you're shopping for your next vehicle. And now we bring in our football analyst, the former K-State offensive lineman, who does a lot of stuff about sports on social media and his own podcast. Make sure you check that out. It is Mr. Brian Hanley. Brian, hey, hey, what's going on? I am as wound up about this football season as I've been in a long time. It's fun. The optimism brewing around Manhattan, Kansas is incredible. Give me your initial thoughts as we head into the 22 season. My thoughts are pretty much fits is that it looks like K-State's going for it. And when I say that, it's just like things are aligning for us to have a really good season. We did well in the transfer portal. Recruiting went well. We've got guys coming back. I mean, to me, it just sets up for us to have a good season. Now, the guys still have to do it on the field, um, but I'm fired up about it. I really, really am. I I haven't been this excited about a K-State season in a while, so it's refreshing. Well, one of the themes so far this year has been the remarkable cohesiveness of the locker room. And as a former player, not just at K-State, in junior college, you played some basketball. People love that about you, by the way. Um, (laughs) And how important is that, to have that locker room spirit, that sense of family and oneness in a locker room? Can that be a big difference for a team? Yeah, absolutely. You got to have it. I mean, it is... It's almost as much as meetings and cohesive, like an offensive line. I mean, you have to have a good locker room. You don't ever hear about teams going very far, being really good, that everybody doesn't get along. I mean, I'm not saying the guys have to be best friends, but you got to have a good locker room where people are pulling for each other, keeping it really competitive, you know, in between every rep that you get, super competitive, rooting each other on. I, I just think you have to have that in today's age forever. I mean, it's not just now, forever. you got to have cohesiveness. And if you don't, it's a problem. And that's the one thing I love about K-State because there's been times, I guess, in the past that we haven't had it. But for the most part, since I've been covering K-State, the locker room is something you could always count on. Yeah, it's it's really cool part of covering K-State sports. Because, honestly, I think all the coaches who come through here, and I mean, I'm talking about Bill Steiner and now Chris Kleiman, understand that to succeed – for Kansas State, when you can't quite get that elite level of player consistently, you got to have something else. And correct, creating that family environment is something Coach Snyder really put a lot of emphasis on, and we've seen Chris Kleiman do it too in his own way. And so it's kind of fun to cover a team that actually gets along. And and yeah, and one of the things I'm wondering as we head into this new era of college sports and college football is the NIL, the name, image, and likeness. Uh, movement that now allows allows players, student-athletes to profit from such things. We've got guys on our podcast now. Our sponsor has Felix and, and Deuce doing a car ad. I mean, it's just an amazing thing. But do some programs, I don't think this will be a problem with Kansas State because the guys getting the, the more money from the NIL are clearly the elite players and not just some incoming recruit. 
But will it be a potential problem for programs to see guys that are getting NIL deals and the guy next to him in the locker room isn't getting anything and outperforming that player? I mean, it'll be a little bit of a problem. Um, Now, the one thing is if a guy's outperforming somebody and somebody's getting a, a higher deal, obviously that's a problem. But you know what? It happens at all walks of life. I mean, there's, I mean, in the professional ranks, I mean, if we want to take it that far, there's plenty of guys that get paid more money that aren't producing as well as the guy that gets that gets paid less at the same position. It happens all the time. Now, it usually doesn't happen very long, but the same thing could be said for NIL deals. If it happens one year, the next year, you may get something different. So I think there'll be some of that that happens. I mean, but that's life in general. So I don't think it's going to be enough to to wreck not K-State's locker room. It may wreck somebody's locker room. I don't think it's going to be enough to wreck a K-State locker room because just like you said, they know who's producing and those are the guys that are getting the big deals out of this. Yep, I agree. I think K-State will be able to manage it better than some other programs. I'm telling you, when you're in the recruiting world and you're offering up hundreds of thousand dollars of dollars, if not million or so, to a recruit, man, that just can't go well in the locker room. That just, I, I don't see how that's going to help the program at all. But that's a nice problem to have. I mean, it's a nice problem to have, but at the same time, it's just what you said. You're offering this guy, how many freshmen don't pan out? I mean, there's plenty of them. And plenty of five-star freshmen, K-State's seen our share of guys that just don't pan out for whatever reason. But they got a million bucks a million bucks and they can't, and I'm a, a two star and I'm playing way better than they, yeah. it's, you know, it, 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 it will become a problem at some places. I just don't think Kansas state will be one of those. Um, because I just don't think we will dabble into that. I mean, we don't have to do that, you know, cause our recruiting base and the guys that we're going to get, it, it's not going to require that. Not in, at least in my opinion, but it, it, I just don't think it affects us. I really don't. Not that end of it. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Let's get into this team a little bit. I've got a lot of stuff I want to ask you, but I want to start with the offensive line where we see Cooper Beebe, who's been left tackle for his first two years, move into left guard, which is a more natural position for him. And I asked him yep. about that earlier this year, and he said he prefers to be inside. It's more physical inside. And I think it plays to his strengths, which is strength a lot more. If Mm -hmm. KT Levinston can hold down that left tackle spot, and I got to tell you, Brian, I saw him on Tuesday. This is a different young man. I can't believe how he's transformed his body. He's taken his body fat from 33 to 25%. Um, You know, both of us would take 33. uh, (laughs) uh, But he looks totally different. He says he's much more explosive. And Chris Kleiman went as far to say he's capable of playing at an all Big 12 level. If that comes anywhere close to fruition, that means this offensive line is going to be as good as Kansas State's had in a long time, and we both know that is a bold and enormous statement. I'm telling you, I thought the same thing myself. You're right, is is that BB moving inside? I mean, if he and I think he can play at the next level, that's his position, is inside. I thought he was always that way. And if we're going to have that line, I mean, if Levinston can step up and be that good, I'm telling you, man, The and, and that's why I'm so excited about the team is because I knew what we had coming back in this offensive line, putting it together. It, it's just, it's going to be a game changer. It literally will. I know that sounds cliche-ish coming, especially from an old offensive lineman, but you can't name me a good football team that doesn't have a good offensive line. You just can't name one. That one that's their offensive line stinks. That, that doesn't exist in football. Well, speaking of stinky offensive lines, I've watched a lot more Nebraska film than I ever thought I would. <laughs> As I tried to assess Adrian Martinez and what went wrong at Nebraska, and I spoke to Ryan Wallace earlier in the show about this, but I got to tell you, when I watch a lot of his highlights, I see a quarterback literally running for his life because his offensive line can't protect him for two seconds. He literally drops back to pass, and there's defensive linemen chasing him. And I saw a lot of back foot throws, a lot of desperation throws, a lot of uh, a guy clearly trying to make the big play when he shouldn't be taking the gamble he does. How much more comfortable do you think he can be with this offensive line at K-State? 
I have said it um, on many occasions. I picked K-State to be the surprise team in the Big 12 for the simple fact is that Adrian Martinez will finally be playing behind an offensive line that can block for him. He didn't get – I mean – When you think of Nebraska, you think of offensive linemen. Well, I don't know if that's been the case the last maybe six, seven years because that was some of the worst offensive line play that I have literally ever seen out of not just Nebraska, anybody in a Big Ten. I mean, they were awful. I mean, it was just bad, and I felt bad for him because he got all the blame, and anybody that knew anything about football knew that it was not his fault, not all of it. I mean, we can't shed all the blame away from him. But it was, I mean, when you're running for your life, I mean, you're going to tend to make a bad decision or two. I mean, that, that's just what happens. And I don't know. I give the guy credit. I mean, he hung in there as long as he could. But it will be, he will be so much better at K State. And just playing behind the offensive line, being comfortable, being able to make reads, it changes your life as a quarterback, literally. Yeah, I'll be intrigued to watch him play. And we won't learn a whole lot from South Dakota. I mean, uh, right. I I respect the the team very much. I think they're very good at their level. But one thing I know from Chris Kleiman is he's not going to look past an FCS opponent. It just It's not going to happen ever because he was on the other end of it when programs did it. And he built his career on it, honestly. I mean, it's, right. that's how it goes. But uh, one of the things I like isn't just the fact that Adrian Martinez will have an offensive line of high quality. But Deuce Vaughn is a game changer, and he didn't have anyone like that at Nebraska. Nobody really has someone quite like Deuce because not only is he a threat to run the ball, so that makes that zone read so effective because Adrian is, I'm telling you what, he's an explosive runner when he keeps the ball. But also, if you want to bring a blitz in a passing situation, Deuce can just bleed out there and and take a short pass and make you pay for it. I just like the way their skill sets fit together. How about you? I absolutely love it. Uh, I just think that, you know, again, having a line and having those weapons. I mean, he didn't have those weapons at Nebraska either. It's going to make his life so it's going to make both of their lives so much easier. And it's going to be super exciting to watch. But the one thing that that I'm really looking forward to is the passing game going. Now, I know that Adrian Martinez is a great runner, but given time, he can throw the football as well. So I just think it's going to be something that um, K-State fans are going to love it. They're going to love it. It's going to be exciting. I'm excited for it. One of the things I didn't fully appreciate about Adrian when he arrived was uh, the strength of his arm, and that's been something everyone has been talking about. But I want you to go back in the way back machine and think about how Bill Snyder managed an offense with an explosive quarterback uh, named Michael Bishop and who could Mm -hmm. make a lot of things happen. But people so fondly remember Mike, but – Brother, he made a lot of – he took a lot of chances, and he made some turnovers that were costly. He just could overcome them, and he had a defense to go with it. But then we saw Coach Snyder come back and be more conservative, but then kind of settle in with Colin Klein at quarterback and get back to that a little bit. Um, And now Colin Klein is the offensive coordinator. This was a long way to get to where I'm going, but – How do you think he will call a game? Will it be reflective of the conservative Bill Snyder that we saw so much in 2.0? Or I have a feeling Colin might actually be more like the play calling in 1.0 when, you know, being a younger guy, he might take some more chances and be more calculated in his wrists. But I'm just intrigued to see how he puts together a game plan and puts it on the field on game day. Yeah, I think it'll be more aggressive. I think, you know, you're conservative when you're your quarterback, your weapons, when you need to be conservative. You know, talking about Coach Snyder, even when Bishop was first, when he first got there and we were all learning together and figuring this thing out, you know, we weren't conservative. We threw the ball down the field. That's what we did, you know, and you do that when you have the ability to do that, especially in today's day and age in college football. If you can't move it consistently down the field, you're going to have problems. Guys are just too fast. You can't just line up and run three yards and, and try to win football games that way. It doesn't work. So you got to be able to get the ball down the field. And I just think he's going to be aggressive 
aggressive where it's lots of motion, throwing to the tight end, throwing to the fullback, throwing the ball down the field, just coming up with a lot of different stuff. I believe that's the way that he's going to go. And again, like you said, calculated risk. You always have to say calculated risk when you're calling plays. That's the way it works. And I just think that it's going to be more aggressive style not always throwing the ball down i don't want people to think that we're just going to turn it loose and throw it 50 yards down the field but every play but it'll be in the, in the game plan yeah that will definitely be in the game plan i agree let's flip it over to the defensive side of the ball brian this this team has playmakers on that side the fact that yeah. they have uh, an all big 12 preseason selection in felix and yuduke uzama daniel green and julius brents at every level indicates to me that this is a really rock-solid defense. And Ryan Wallace and I spent a lot of time talking about the safety position. They went out and got three transfers. It's an interesting group of guys, one from the junior college ranks, one from the FCS ranks, and one from the FBS ranks. Um, And they all three are listed as the starters at safety, which I think bolstered the glaring weak spot on this defense. i got to tell you, Brian, I think this defense could really impact the Big 12 this year, because I think this is as good a defense and an attacking defense as I've seen at K-State in a very long time. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it any better, Fitz. When you have all league defenders at every level, that, that means you have a good defense. You know, then you're just plugging other guys in. Now, granted, you need other guys, but I'm telling you, it, it's fast, aggressive, I mean, and that's what we've all wanted our defense to be. Get back to playing fast. Get back to playing aggressive. Well, you got to have the guys to do that. K-State have now has those guys to do that. And so, to me, I'm going to love it. I wouldn't be surprised if they're not the best. with them, Between them and Baylor, maybe Oklahoma State, but they'll be up there when we're talking about the best defenses in the Big 12. K-State is going to be that good on defense. Yeah, it's a very entertaining group of guys, I think. Um, I, I, I'm telling you what, if I'm an opposing offensive coordinator, I don't want to be in third and long against this defense No, because no. I mean, just set aside King Felix for a second and understand that Nate Matlack, maybe Khalid Duke, once he's fully healthy and you know, he just started practice, but he's in really good shape. And coach said, I expect him to be fully ready for this game. They have so many playmaking weapons. It's, it's kind of terrifying. Actually, it's going to be a blast to watch. Well, on third and long, it's a nightmare because you get those three that you just mentioned out there. All Somebody is going to be singled up. You can't double everybody. You just can't do it. You know, it's impossible. You know, and you get any kind of push inside, which you can move those guys around a little bit. I'm telling you, third and long is a night, just like you said, it's going to be a nightmare for opposing coaches. But I just, you know, the, the parts that we have on the defense – the interchangeable parts to move, to be athletic and to rush and play the run as well. I mean, it's just going to be, it's going to be fun to watch. It it really, really is. I know people, myself included, have been clamoring for aggressive style defense like this. We got a lot of it last year. It's going to be better this year. It's going to be better. Yep. It's going to be very, very fun. And of course, special teams, we won't really get into that this week, but it typically is really good. They return a ton of guys over there. Um, I I think they'll continue to make plays. Let me put you on the spot here. The over-under on K-State wins a season is 6.5. I find it ludicrous. I'm not a gambling man, but now that sports betting is legal in Kansas, I'm about to become one, I think, just because of that. Where do you think K-State ends up? If if things go wrong and if things go right for K-State, what's your kind of ceiling and, and floor for this team in terms of regular season wins? Well, here's the thing is K-State, we've always had the same kind of, I guess, issue, if you want to call it, which is an issue with every team, is depth. If K-State is healthy, there is zero reason in my mind that we don't win nine games. I just, we, there's no reason. I know the, the conference schedule, the road schedule is tough. I, I get that part of it. But I just believe that we're a, a very good football team. And if we can stay healthy, which, I mean, it's football, so that's difficult to do. But if we can at key spots, then there's no reason that we can't go 9-2. and two. I picked K-State to be my sleeper in the Big 12 championship game. That's not me being a homer. I just look at football. I look at what they do. I look at what's coming back everywhere. K-State's really good. They, they just are. K-State is really, really good. Now, on the flip side of that, 
if things don't go well and guys get hurt at positions that we can't afford them to get hurt at, then K-State will be a six-win football team. You know, we still have enough, we'll have enough talent to win that, you know, six games. But, you know, again, football is a game of attrition. It always has been. It always will be. And that's always been our issue. If we can keep guys healthy, K-State will be very, very good. People should be excited. The people should be excited. There's been years where we're all homers and we want them to do well and, and we say certain things and all that is great. I love it. But then there's other years when, you know what, we're really good. This is one of those years. I would agree with all of that. His name's Brian Hanley. He was an offensive lineman at Kansas State in the heyday. He played a big role in those 97 and 98 incredible K-State teams. He joins us every week on the pregame podcast, but maybe more importantly, he joins us every week on the postgame podcast and will convene after every K-State game this season and put up a podcast Sunday or Monday, depending on the kickoff time. We will see how that falls. Brian, I appreciate it so much. No problem. Thank you. And now let's continue our pregame podcast with an interview with Deuce Vaughn. I talked to the junior running back on Tuesday at the weekly press conference, and I started off with this simple question. Is he healthy and ready to go? Man, it's been it's been a while since we got there and played in a, a I guess a team oriented uh, football game in front of the lights. So I'm super excited. Coach, talk about uh, the camp was a little bit different this year in terms of trying to keep you guys fresh, and it's something you've always done. Um, did you notice a big difference in how they approach it? Yes, sir. Uh, what if that was making sure that we're taking care of our bodies, making sure that we're getting the right amount of sleep, making sure that our nutrition was straight, making sure that everything that we were going through throughout this fall camp wasn't going to make our body tear and fall apart as soon as we got to week eight, week nine, week ten. This was all this is what it was all about. To make sure our bodies were fresh and good to go. But while we're still getting enough work to be able to say we feel good going into this week one. Okay, what's it like playing next to Adrian? It's big time. Uh, having a, a guy that's dynamic like that next to you is pretty big. Somebody that understands football as well as really anybody on the football field just from the experience and everything that he's seen, man, it's something that whenever you line up next to him, you understand that hey, this is a guy that's gonna get it done with me. How cool has it been for you to play with a now an NFL quarterback and now probably another NFL quarterback? It's big time. Uh, you, you see the the things that Skylar Thompson is doing right now, and, man, it's uh, inside this building doesn't surprise anyone. Uh, man, he's somebody that has made a big impact on my life uh, as far as a football player and off the field, so I'm excited to see everything he's doing. And now with Adrian coming in, I see some similarities between them and uh, just the people that they are, the players that they are. Man, I'm super excited for this season for Adrian. One of the things we've talked about quite a bit today with other people is kind of the buzz around this team. Have you noticed it? It's really hard to not notice, especially every time you, you open up a social media page, you see something, but something we try to tune out, understanding that you have to go and play this game and that things are going to be said no matter what, uh, but everything that you do every single Saturday is what's going to really determine uh, what happens. People talk about a, a locker room and a culture. Define that for me, how it applies to this program. Yes, sir, man. It's a whole bunch of guys in there that are compassionate, love each other, and are going to do anything for this bond, for this brotherhood that we've built here. And uh, this is my third year here at Kansas State, and to see that bond and that brother, that brotherhood build over the years has been super exciting to see. And now, I mean, it's seamless, and uh, it's something that's going to carry us throughout the season. I'm super excited. Is this offense going to be a little more diverse, which means maybe Deuce touches it less since you were the rusher and receiver last year? Uh, we will see. Uh, it's one of the things that, I mean, I talk with Coach Klein every single day about uh, how we can get everybody involved, and that's something that if I have to be a decoy in some place to open up somebody else, I'm the happiest person in the world because we may score a touchdown. Uh, and I'm super excited for Coach Klein. I'm super excited for uh, this offense uh, playing behind him. He's somebody I'm going to play for. I'm playing my heart out for, first and foremost. I feel like every single person on the side of the ball feels like that, too. Didn't you refer to him as Ring of Honor, Coach Klein? Pretty cool, um, isn't it? Ring of Honor. OC, one of the best players to come through Kansas State, man. He he embodies a whole bunch of titles, but there's one thing I want to get up under his belt is a, a Big 12 championship this year, so we're going to go out there and do that. Okay, give me the Deuce Vaughn thoughts on this defense. The them boys, I like I like everything that they've shown me throughout this this fall camp, the summer, uh, the way they communicate, the way they fly around, the way they play together. It's one of the things where I mean, you get the ball and you'd be like, man, I don't know where to go. Uh, everybody's flying around, everybody's playing together uh, from the first level, second level to the third level. Uh, it's one of those things where uh, it's super exciting to see. I can't wait for them to cut it loose this Saturday. 
And now let's take a look at the betting lines for this week's games, and particularly Kansas State, even though there isn't much of a line out there because they play an FCS opponent. Most books have that off. We found one book that has a line. But we are Caesars Sportsbook people here at 24-7 Sports, and that's the line we'll be using throughout this college football season. And to help me out is Ryan Gills-Gilbert of the Go Paracat staff. You can uh, tap his brain at Go Paracat by becoming a subscriber. I don't know if you want to tap anything related to Ryan Gilbert, but he can tap a beer keg and serve you beers also. You're Is that why mo- they call it a beer tap? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you just tap right in there. Yep, yep, yep. Ryan, uh, we're not going to pick every Big 12 game this year. Uh, well, maybe we will, but we're not going to. I mean, there's so many crap games this week, including Kansas State. I mean, from a gambling standpoint, it's a crap game. Let's start, though, with Oklahoma State and Central Michigan. Now, Central Michigan won in Stillwater not too long ago. I think that's still remarkable. The well, Cowboys, Mary, right? Yeah, the Cowboys are twenty-one and a half point favorite. You know that that crosses a barrier. That means you're going to beat them by more than three touchdowns. That says a lot when the book says that because they think you're going to absolutely blow them out. Will Mike Gundy, who I don't think has a mullet anymore, which I find disturbing. Maybe he grew it back. I, last I saw, he looked like a respectable human being. He did yeah, and uh, the media days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, will they smoke Central Missouri by? Central Missouri, Central Michigan, <laughs> by 22 or more. I, that's what I get for writing CMU on my notes. My brain read it that way. 22 or more, will they win? I think, obviously, Oklahoma State wins. I don't know if that's a good a good bet um, for them to cover. That half a point, like you mentioned, that could be big if Oklahoma State wins it by three touchdowns or maybe they're up by four touchdowns and they put the reserves in. I think that's an iffy bet. Oklahoma State last season, if you remember their non-conference, they didn't win a single of those three games by more than a touchdown. Boise State was obviously a good win on the road for them. That but was a was lot of fortunes. On that. Missouri State and some other no-name that they had to squeak by. So if history repeats itself, I know Spencer Sanders was out for some of those games with uh, with COVID concerns. But if history repeats itself, this game might be closer than than some anticipate. And like you mentioned, Fitz, Central Michigan, I think last time they went to Stillwater, picked up a win. The Chippewas, the, the greatest Chippewas. mascot. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's it's kind of a, a dip, a Chippewa dip. I don't know why you name your team after a dip. Um, this game is intriguing to me. It's on. Uh, by the way, I forgot to say this: uh, Central Michigan and Oklahoma State is Thursday night. Isn't that weird? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get used to it. I think the new Big Twelve will be playing a lot of Thursday games, which mm-hmm. is fine. It's fine. Uh, it's kind of fun to have that game available. I just don't like covering it. Because State had Baylor, right? It, it throws everything off in your week. I mean, yeah. essentially, Sunday is your Tuesday press conference, but they still usually hold it on Tuesday, and then you're just a mess from there on out. I don't understand it. Friday game, though, uh, there's Tennessee Tech at Kansas. We opted not to pick that. Uh, I think Kansas is favored by like 30 points in a game. I think I saw 38 somewhere. That's just not. On a I, weird bookie. I, I, no. I, no. No. I mean, Tech, Tennessee Tech is supposedly really bad. You know who else is bad? Kansas. Hey, you. <laughs> they're, they're getting better. They're, get, they're getting better, but they're not. That's a lot of points. But the game we are picking is TCU goes to Boulder. Maybe this will be a non-conference or, excuse me, a conference game um, in the near future. I don't know. I prefer not. But TCU at Colorado, and uh, the Buffaloes are a 14-point home dog to the Frogs. Frogs greater than Buffaloes. Not very good science. But in football, I say it true. You know, TCU's picked for the bottom of the Big 12, somewhere down there. Colorado is picked for the bottom of the Pac-12. And yet, the, a bad team in the Big 12 is going to be a two-touchdown favorite on the road at a bad team in the Pac-12. Do they cover? I think this one's tough, but I think Colorado is getting pretty disrespected here. The line opened at just 6.5, and, and it jumped all the way to 13-14. That's, so that's a huge a, move. A whole touchdown, and I thought it would be the opposite. I mean, Colorado's not good. I think we all know that. But TCU is a team that struggled last year. You know, K-State literally got its coach fired um, after a loss. And, you know, a new head coach. I don't see that much of an improvement for TCU to be two touchdown favorites here. So I like Colorado. Obviously, they're not good. But they should be good enough to at least make this a competitive game at home. I'll take Colorado on this uh, with the secondary prediction that half the TCU team is suspended for buying pregame gummies. At the bull, might be on to something. Yeah, 
God knows I would. Uh, the final uh, Big 12 game that uh, we're going to pick here is one of my favorite games. Look, you can say what you want about West Virginia, but they man up in the non-conference. They go play some teams, usually have two power five opponents in the non-con. I admire that tremendously. And in part, it's because they lost their natural rivals when the Big East collapsed and they ended up in the Big 12. They like the, being in the Big 12, but they would like to be in a conference with Pitt. They would like to be in a conference with Virginia Tech. They would like to be in a conference with some other schools that they've had longstanding rivalries with, but that doesn't happen anymore. They are renewing the backyard brawl starting this year with Pitt. And if you don't understand what that means, these two schools are very close together. When you go to a West Virginia game, you fly into Pitt and drive about 45 minutes. It's essentially KUK State. I mean, they might be different states, but you cross the border to West Virginia and it says Morgantown exit on the right. They're very close together. Pitt, Pittsburgh is as much a West Virginia town as a Pitt, Pitt town. Here's what's amazing. Now, yeah, I understand West Virginia struggled last year. They had half their roster transfer. The insiders claim they upgraded in every possible way, which I don't know. That was my computer, by the way. Cole. Cole. You're, we have a guest here, folks. Yeah, Cole's just listening to this. and My my computer just dinged. Um, but Pitt played in the ACC championship last year against Wake Forest. Nobody watched. Um, <laughs> and, and, and they weren't good teams. I don't care that they played in the championship game. That conference was so bad last year that the two teams in the conference title still weren't good. Pitt is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite over West Virginia. I don't gamble. I am very tempted to bet on West Virginia here. I think West Virginia is going to beat them by about three touchdowns just to make a point. I hope. The reason against that, though, is, like you said, West Virginia lost so much of its roster from last season. Obviously, start. Yeah. you get some better players in there if you want to think that, but – I mean, look at K-State. We'll talk about them here in just a second. You know, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback. How are those things going to really translate on the football field? But, yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh lost its quarterback, Kenny Pickett, now in the NFL with the Steelers. So that's going to be a new look for them as well. So, you know, if you want to go gamble on it, Fitz, go ahead. I I like West Virginia. But you do like West Virginia. To cover. To cover. At least. You're less confident than me. Do you think Kenny Pickett is still living in the dorms at Pitt? <laughs> Just hanging out? Probably. Yeah, I would. What the heck? Let's do it. K-State opens the season. Is that me again? My goodness. Uh, K-State opens the season with South Dakota at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. We established it as a 19.5-point line. It looks like it might be as high as 25 on the books that care about FBS, FCS games. Do they win by three touchdowns, I guess is my question. I will say yes. However, I've gone back and forth over the last couple of days. I mean, first things first, like I mentioned, new quarterback, new offensive coordinator. On top of that, how much of your playbook you know, do you want to yep. show to the rest of the conference, have that on film, or even you know, Mizzou for the next week? Uh, let's not forget that South Dakota had a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter last time they played K-State here. Was that five, six years ago? K-State pulled it out, but... You know, it's not like they're playing the bottom of the barrel in some of these no-name conferences. Missouri Valley is respectable. They're no North Dakota or North, or North Dakota State or South Dakota State, but South Dakota is still a good team. They almost beat KU on the road last year. I know KU is not good, but still Power 5 football. Um, I think a lot of it depends on, on Martinez and how good he can play. Is he going to be, A, healthy and B, able to hold on to the football I, I say K-State covers because I think K-State's obviously a better a better team, has a lot more talent, skill, but I think K-State gets a big play late. Deuce Fawn breaks it free, uh, pick six from a you know a, a tough decision by a, a, a South Dakota player. Something happens where K-State covers late, but I think it's going to be a little bit closer than people think. Uh, you know, South Dakota. I don't know if you remember this. Fitz last season in the in the playoffs for the FCS level, they had a hail mary with one second to go from a midfield and won the game. And then they kind of had a hangover and lost their next game, and that was it. I think it's going to be a hungry team that you know maybe is going to be ready, uh, back and ready to to prove to people that they're a good team and that they can make a run. You know, who knows? Maybe this next season as well. So I think it'll be a, a closer game than most people think. I really do, and I want to go against the grain and pick South Dakota to cover our made-up line. But I think K State's just that much of yeah. a better team. They're going to make a couple big plays. 
late to get over the hump. Picking on 19 and a half, I've got K-State. 25, it gets pretty iffy. That would have been a better line. Then That's why mm-hmm. the actual bookies are better at this than the Fitz bookie. His name is Ryan Gilbert. He knows betting lines, and he also knows hangovers. So I appreciate you popping in here. You'll well, do this every week, right? Season. You're going you're exactly. to do this every week. I won't be hungover, though. Good. I'll be sober and ready to go. Thank you very much, Mr. Ryan Gilbert. He will join us every week to talk about the betting odds and make sure if you are a gambler that you now have your app ready to go in the state of Kansas and CBS Sports and 24-7 Sports is affiliated with the Caesars Sportsbook. And those are the odds we'll be using throughout the season. One new thing I am doing on this year's podcast is I'm going to give you one theme of the week. And of course, check out all of our coverage at GoPowerCat. Make sure you take advantage of our special and you get 75% off of new annual subscription to GPC. And what I do over there is give you my five keys to victory and my score prediction. And on the show, I'm going to give you one theme to watch for, one thing to keep your eye on. And the theme for week one against South Dakota is keep an eye on the play calling and the rhythm of the offense under new offensive coordinator Colin Klein. I don't think he'll open up the playbook against South Dakota, but I don't think he'll be exactly conservative either. Look out for what Colin Klein puts on the field and how the offense performs under his leadership. It's South Dakota and Kansas State, 6 p.m. at Bill Snyder Family Stadium on Saturday. The game is broadcast on ESPN+. Plus. You have to have a subscription to that. But in a fun turn of events, my friend from Salina, James Wessling, will have the call, along with Ladarian McLean and Tori Petrie on the sidelines. For Ryan Wallace, Brian Hanley, and Ryan Gilbert, I'm Go Power Cap publisher Tim Fitzgerald. Join us for the post-game podcast Monday morning at Go Power Cat, and please enjoy the game. Football is here for 2022. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Power Cat podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com. Thank you.